You're listening to Unmuted with Papa Mutes. Bradshaw running out of the pocket, looking for somebody to throw to. Fires it downfield. And there's a collision. That's caught out of the air. The ball is pulled in by Franco Harris. Harris is going for a touchdown for Pittsburgh. Franco Harris, the Hall of Fame running back for the Pittsburgh Steelers of the National Football League, has died. He passed away recently on Tuesday, December 20th. He was 72. I'm paying tribute to Franco because he played football for my favorite team in my hometown city at the time in my life that was just perfection. The rise of Franco and the Steelers organization coincided with my coming of age as a youth. I was 12 when the most iconic play in NFL history took place. The Immaculate Reception. I remember very clearly walking out of my living room while listening to the game with my dad on our stereo console. Not on TV. I walked away out of frustration because after almost a complete game dominated by both teams defenses, Raiders quarterback Ken Stabler marched the Raiders down to a last minute touchdown that put the Raiders ahead 7-6. Heartbreaking. I walk back in shortly thereafter and my dad says to me, they're going to mob that guy. And I replied, what do you mean? What happened? And he proceeded to tell me Franco caught a ball and scored. The sound of fans cheering through the old static stereo was magic. To be a young man in the early teens and to witness and celebrate the next decade of Steeler football was heaven. The timing could not have been better. The Pittsburgh Pirates baseball team won the 71 World Series and again in 79. But squeezed in between 71 and 1980 was one of the most miraculous football teams in football history. And it was my team. It created a sense of pride. If I wasn't at my parents' home with family watching the games, then I was at a friend's or later years at a bar. It was a party every Sunday, complete with block poles, food, beer, and more food. Everybody watched. It was a happening every single Sunday. Breakfast, church, football. To understand the significance of Franco's incredible reception and the impact on the city, you must understand where the Steelers and the city of Pittsburgh was in the 1970s. The image was not good. At 12, I wasn't aware of any of this. I was just in a great neighborhood with great family and friends. I thought everybody's world was just like mine. This was not just another city with a football team. In 1972, the steel industry was on the decline. The very fabric of the city's identity was eroding. It was the start of the steel industry shifting from decline to an all-out collapse. Many people moved out of the city in search of jobs across the country, which actually helped build the Steelers' national fan base as it is today. For me, the Immaculate Reception was the beginning of a love affair with a sports team. My neighborhood of Bloomfield was mostly made up of immigrant families. The city of Pittsburgh itself was a tight-knit, giant neighborhood in my eyes. The Immaculate Reception was a turning point of sorts for the long-suffering Steelers franchise. Pittsburgh never won a playoff game in their 40 years of existence prior to Franco's miraculous play. Franco's touchdown was the first Steeler playoff touchdown in Steeler history. SOS was attached to the Steelers in all those lean years. 
It stood for same old Steelers. Losers. The Immaculate Reception was simply a cultural rallying point. It was as if the bullies of the world were going to get bullied back. Now we were king of the hill. We were the strongest, the best, and it felt good. An opposing team didn't come into Pittsburgh. They came into Steeler country. The timing of Franco's death is incredible. The iconic play happened in 1972, and he passes away at the age of 72. Chilling. His death came two days before the 50th anniversary of the play that provided the jolt, the juice, if you will, that helped transform the Steelers from perennial losers into an NFL powerhouse like none seen before. Pittsburgh was scheduled to retire his number 32, which they did this past weekend during a ceremony at halftime of its game against the Las Vegas Raiders, formerly the Oakland Raiders. The play itself is mind-boggling. YouTube it if you haven't already. With Pittsburgh trailing 7-6 and facing 4th and 10 from their own 40-yard line and 22 seconds remaining in the 4th quarter, Pittsburgh quarterback Terry Bradshaw drifted back and threw deep to running back Frenchie Fuqua, who was the intended Bradshaw target. Fuqua and Oakland defensive back Jack Tatum collided, sending the ball careening back toward midfield in the direction of Harris, who kept running towards the ball as he was taught by Joe Paterno at Penn State. Now the thing is, in 1972, you could not fall and get back up and run if no defensive player touches you. If you hit the ground, you're down. Play over, game over. The rule is different today, of course. Harris was on the run, had to catch it at his shoe tips and maintain his balance and momentum and then run out the Raiders' stunned defenders for the winning touchdown. Every motion of that play had to flow perfectly as it did, or immaculately. Here's Franco talking about what just occurred moments after coming off the field towards the locker room. Classic audio from KDKA TV radio. Good going, buddy. What, what happened on that play, Franco? Uh, right place at the right time. <laughs> a little bit of luck, you know, a little bit lucky catching the ball. Well, what's the, uh, what was your uh, part in that play? Where were you actually supposed to have been? Well, I was supposed to be in there blocking. <laughs> I remember the play right, but Terry started to scramble a little bit, so I went out thinking maybe I could get an open. He could throw it to me. And he threw it downfield, and uh, I saw Frenchie, I think it was Jack Tatum, yeah. go for it, and it bounced bounced up, and as I said before, the right place, the right time. You, you, uh, you outrun that guy into the end zone. Did it ever look like you feel he had a shot at you? Uh, I thought at one point he did, but I kind of stuck my arm out trying to hold him off, you know. Uh, believe me, at that point, you know, I don't think anything could have stopped me from going in. <laughs> there are many athletes I admire from a distance. But not many men. Franco is not just a great player who was part of a most unbelievable football play of all time, but from all accounts a great person. My wife, who's not even from Pittsburgh, met Franco and got to wear one of his four Super Bowl rings. When asked about Franco in every interview from any time up until his death, every person said the same thing. He was such a great, friendly, unassuming man. And in the 70s, he was a huge celebrity, not just in Pittsburgh, but around the world. Born in Fort Dix, New Jersey on March 7, 1950, Harris played college ball at Penn State. Hall of Fame coach Chuck Knoll made him 13th overall pick in the 1972 Pro Football Draft. The rest is football history. He won the NFL's Rookie of the Year award in 1972 after rushing for a then-team record 1,055 yards in a 14-game season, by the way. The Steelers reached the postseason for just the second time in franchise history 
That's a 40-year span of losing football. Harris played fullback for Pittsburgh for over a decade in the 1970s and early 80s. The Steelers, along with Harris, won four Super Bowls in a six-year span, twice back-to-back, 75 and 76, and then again in 79 and 80. Harris is a first-time ballot Pro Football Hall of Famer. He made the Pro Bowl nine times. Harris finished his career with 12,120 yards, and it was all ignited with the play. After that play, Harris' impact was immediate, and you can hear it and feel it in this classic NFL call by the totally shocked, and I mean shocked, Hall of Fame sportscaster Kurt Gowdy on NBC television. Take a listen. Last chance for the Steelers. Bradshaw trying to get away. And his pass is broken up by Tatum. Tipped off. Rachel Harris has it. And he's over. Look. Rachel Harris. Grab the ball on the deflection. Five seconds to go. He grabbed it with five seconds to go and scores. Let's watch one this again. One million to one odds on this one. When you talk about Christmas miracles, here's the miracle of all miracles. Watch this one now. Bradshaw's lucky to even get rid of the ball. He shoots it out. Jack Tatum deflects it right into the hands of Harris. And he sets off. And the big 230-pound rookie slipped away from Warren and scored. That was 50 years ago, on December 23rd, 1972. But even though the NFL has officially designated it as the greatest play in league history, it was bigger than that. It's not just Franco crossing the goal line. It was me, my friends, my family, the team, the city, rising and saying, hey, look at us. Pay attention, we're coming. And so they did the Steelers of the 70s, the Super Steelers. It's just a game in the scheme of life, but when your team represents your city, people take it seriously. Pittsburgh has a large Italian-American population, and they embraced Harris immediately. My neighborhood itself is effectively known as Little Italy. Franco's Italian Army came about when two local Pittsburgh businessmen created it. The name is in reference to Harris's roots as the son of an African-American father and an Italian mother. The name itself, as the story goes, the Immaculate Reception, was coined by a local sportscaster, Myron Cope, who got the name from a woman whose boyfriend created it in a barroom victory celebration. Should have copyrighted that, bro. Hence, December 23rd is celebrated in Pittsburgh as the Feast of the Immaculate Reception. Beautiful. Since those wonderful years, the Pittsburgh region has taken on a new economic identity, education, medicine, energy to name a few but the mythology of the immaculate reception endures harris himself like many other Steelers, have remained in pittsburgh following his retirement opening a bakery and becoming heavily involved in several charities including serving as the chairman of the pittsburgh promise which provides college scholarship opportunities for pittsburgh public school students up until his death franco remained a prominent figure in the pittsburgh community with multiple business interests and many public appearances 
and some of those appearances took place on what is an annual celebration of Italian heritage right in the heart of my childhood neighborhood, Bloomfield. Franco would come and participate in the bocce tournament as part of a three to four day celebration. Just blend right in with the locals, hanging out, making people feel good, playing bocce as if he was a regular Joe. But we all knew he was the architect of one of the most amazing times in my life and in the city of Pittsburgh's history. I preface my final thought by saying that I never put anyone, especially a celebrity or athlete, above my family. Nobody is above the family. That being said, I pay tribute to Franco not because he was a football player playing a game at a high level. I did this episode because, from all accounts, he was a great man playing the game of life at the highest level. Harris is survived by his wife Dana and his son Doc. I leave with you this shortened audio clip from Franco's Hall of Fame acceptance speech in 1990, provided by the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Listen carefully, there's a life lesson in this montage that takes on a more powerful meaning now that he has just recently passed. Enjoy your day. Tomorrow is never guaranteed for any of us. Thank you, Franco. If there are pearly gates above, I'm sure that you'll receive another immaculate reception. Take care. And I'm thrilled and honored to join my teammates once again, but this time to join them as a member of the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I still can't believe it. I can't believe it. You know, I was blessed with certain talents, and I tried to use those talents to the best of my abilities. How can I help my team? Could they count on me when it was needed? Then you think, what makes your talents come through? What makes it work? What makes you work? And the answer is to be with the right teammates. God, I was with the right teammates. They were great. And I was able to achieve goals beyond my wildest dreams because of the people who surrounded me. They brought out the best in me. They made me rise to new heights. They made me a better ball player. Yes, we didn't know that at that time that we were building such a dream, but now the results are in. And any way you look at it, it is truly immeasurable and certainly unforgettable. Don't forget us. Good luck. God bless. Thank you very much. Franco Harris riding a white stallion and galloping off into the sunset. You have been listening to Unmuted with Papa Mutes.